0: Tribe.
1: What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in. We are happy to have you here wherever you're joining us from, whatever you're doing.
0: Yeah, we have a super yummy episode for you today.
1: Oh, yeah. We talk about <laughs> the essential elements of lifelong happiness with Dr. Diane Gayhart, and she is a accomplished practitioner, professor in research of psychotherapy for over 20 years. And the reason Sarah said it's yummy is because her new book is Mindfulness for Chocolate Lovers, A Lighthearted Way to Stress Less, Savor More Each Day. And that involves chocolate. So who doesn't want to stress less? Eat some chocolate, develop your mindfulness, and improve your life, improve your relationship. And Diane gives us some great tips, a little bit outside the box of how to approach mindfulness, why it will improve your relationship, how to do that. And uh, yeah, the key is chocolate here. Yes, I was about to
0: say, bring in the chocolate and... Now we're talking. Exactly, exactly. Now, it was a wonderful interview and kind of from a different perspective that I haven't heard before about incorporating meditation into the relationship via chocolate. So
1: that's one way.
0: Yeah, that's one way. We won't give you all the ways you have to listen to it, to the episode to hear all of them, but just a teaser, break out the chocolate for this episode. Yeah. (laughs)
1: And thank you guys for tuning in, sending us those emails, leaving reviews on iTunes and telling your friends and family. We kind of discontinued the summer. Tell your friends and family pledge drive. (laughs) that I came up with
0: during one intro, like
1: a few months ago, it was kind of a joke, but it does help us out a ton because I feel, we feel that that's how people really discover the podcast is you guys sharing them and tuning in. So we really appreciate that. Enjoy today's show.
0: That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Diane. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Today, we're going to talk about a big one and an important subject for individuals and certainly people in relationships, and that is... Tapping into the Essential Elements of Lifelong Happiness, and who doesn't want that? And I know you have a new book and some very interesting ways that we can do this, but we thought a good place to start might be with some of the myths about happiness.
2: Certainly. And there are a lot out there. And unfortunately, many of us are seeking happiness, but we are looking for it in all the wrong places. And there's actually a whole branch of psychology called positive psychology, where there are people out there researching what actually makes us happy. And a lot of it goes against kind of the everyday advice that we get or what we see in the movies. So one of the big myths um, out there is that more money will bring you happiness, and I mean, who doesn't have, you know, fantasies of a huge windfall or winning the lottery somehow, and wow, that'll take care of all the problems I have today, and it seems so intuitively correct, but it's a myth, and it's wrong, and so what the research actually shows is that in contemporary society, basically between um, You know, once you make between once you make enough money to meet your basic needs, um, and that's kind of in worldwide studies. Um, Some studies actually identify 100,000 to about a quarter million, 250,000. In there, um, once you make over that amount, um, there is no measurable effect on your happiness. And actually, as you make more money um happiness rates actually go down slightly at at the top levels of earners and i certainly see this in my private practice all the time and the the thing um so this idea that uh, having more money is going to solve your problem so you won't have stress just doesn't bear out in terms of what actually happens a good example are the lottery winners um so, you know people can become millionaires multimillionaires overnight and uh, it's very exciting but what happens and what we find is within six to twelve months often those happiness levels go back to where they were before they won or even lower um, and and that is just because of how the mind works in terms of um, getting our needs met and and so you know once you get that big windfall you um, that you may have two or three months of really good times and life is great. But after that, we kind of go back to our default setting. And that is where um, we're finding that you really have to change your attitude and your approach to seeking happiness is really where you find the lifelong happiness. So very similarly, another myth is once you meet, reach these great goals um, or goals that you set for yourself, that you're going to actually have um, more happiness. So you get that big promotion, you get married, you have a child, you buy your first home. Every, you know, and you're when you're pursuing the goal, it feels like God. Once I get that, life's going to be so much better and so much, you know, I'm going to be so much happier. And it's true for about three months. And after three months, you go back to that default level um, of happiness. And interestingly enough, the a major exception to this would be marriage. And what we do know is that People who are happily married are happier than average. And if you can have a happy relationship, that does significantly increase your happiness. However, if you're unhappily married, you are the least happy in society. So it's better to be single or divorced than very unhappily married. So um, that's just another uh, common myth we have around happiness and what really makes us happy.
0: So... What would be the first step to, I know in your book, you, you mentioned that happiness is a life skill. So how would you go about taking those first steps to developing those life skills to live a happier life?
2: So, yeah, and that, that's, that's exactly it. So the approaching happiness as more as something that you do, and a lot of it comes down to how you choose to see things then it is um, something that happens to you. And, and I think our the natural way our mind seems to be wired is that we want to reorganize the entire world outside of us to make us happy and feel safe and comfortable. And um, when you pursue that route to happiness, you become what many people will call a control freak because you're con- trying to control all those elements. And so some of the first steps is learning to... Um, Learning to choose and actually choosing to see life in in more positive ways. So one of the things that we do know is that people who are pessimistic, who who tend to see bad things as always happening and the good things as exceptions, they are definitely less happy than the rest of us. Optimists. Um, and they tend to see good things happening as the default setting in life and how things tend to happen, Where and they see those bad things happening as um, exceptions to it. And another real important point there is when something you don't want happens or bad things happen, to look at, you know, first ask yourself, is there anything I did to contribute to this? And, um, and then looking for what could you do different next time? And versus if you get into this habit, which is very common in our society, I would say, where we get into blaming, if only someone else didn't do this, I wouldn't be feeling that way. And when you get into that habit, and sometimes we unintentionally do this with our partners or friends who are trying to be supportive So-and-so shouldn't have done that to you. That's awful. That shouldn't have happened. When we start to even support each other um, that way, we create habits of mind that really lead to a lot of unhappiness because you don't feel empowered to make changes. You don't see how you can make things different next time. And you begin to have this perception that you're a victim of life rather than someone who can make choices um, to have a happier life.
1: In the context of relationships, what's been really valuable to me, especially in Sarah and I's, is to not be looking to Sarah to for my happiness. I feel like our first impulse, at least mine, is in relation to our marriage. If I have something that I think would make me happier within that context, it's like, well those external things have to change. And and that, you know, it falls in line with more money is going to make me happier. These are all external things. And it seems so simple, but it's really changing our framework and the way we think and looking within to bring it back to a relationship. What can I change? What can I do differently to be happier within the relationship? And it starts with ourselves
2: absolutely absolutely and a lot of the um leading uh marriage therapy approaches the emphasis really is on, on learning to accept your partner the way he or she is and not personalizing some of those differences which is so easy to do in a committed relationship over time you get those you bump into each other your feelings get hurt and you tend to personalize things that are often not personal. And so learning, you know, stepping back and looking at and to be very realistic about what you're going to change in your partner and what you can ask for for them to do differently. Uh, and so doing a lot of work on your own end in terms of what did I do to create this situation that I don't like very much or that didn't make me happy? And what can what steps can I do to make things better and and the trick often in that is not personalizing it so um i'll take a real um common a common one you know just the someone who a partner who is more introverted versus a partner who's more extroverted so you got the extrovert coming home and extroverts talk to think so they come home and they're talking 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 out loud To think and they're putting their thoughts together and this is just how they connect it's how they process and if you have on the other hand an introvert and many most couples are an extrovert introvert match um so the introvert though they come home and let's say they've had a stressful day at work their process is they need to go inside they need to reflect on their day and they need to kind of go inward to kind of reconnect with themselves in order to find balance and so you've got two people with like polar opposite processes for how they need to debrief at the end of the day and um it can be it can for the extrovert it can feel um like well my partner's not interested in me they don't care about my day they don't care about me i come home i want to share they don't want to listen and that really hurts me and so they begin to personalize this as like my partner doesn't love me and you know and, and in reverse the introvert can come home it's like my god i'm asking for 10 to 15 minutes to de- you know decompress at the end of a day and there is no space for that and and my partner can't respect that and i'm just supposed to be at their beck and call 24/7 where it's too much for me to just be processing all the time and so it's very easy for both either partner to personalize the other person doesn't care it's really not personal it's just they handle um, stress they they handle that internal dialogue in very different ways because an extrovert goes I mean an introvert will go in and they're they're thinking through everything and when the introvert finally speaks they they need not to be interrupted if they're you know delivering a very important message about how they're feeling um, or where uh, when they're talking about how they're being vulnerable where the introvert thinks they're being very polite and connecting and being in sync by finishing their sentences the introvert is just feeling very disrespected and it's not personal, it's just two very different ways um that people tend to um process emotionally.
1: Sounds a bit like Sarah and I's dynamic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's most I, couples dynamic. I, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I definitely talk to think as listeners of this podcast know. Sometimes I can just ramble on, but it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, I'll stop. You're thinking through it. <laughs> yeah. But it, in, in, and so, yeah, not, not personalizing it be super valuable. And that's a good habit to create to lead to more relationship satisfaction and happiness. What are some other habits that we can do in regards to, to happiness within the context of the relationship?
2: Well, I do a lot of work with mindfulness and even with my couples. And, and, you know, couples don't need to develop a, you know, formal meditation or mindfulness routine, um, but developing rituals as a couple, and I, I mean rituals in a very um, uh, lowercase r way in the sense of you do something every night to connect. And I think the most important couple a habit for a couple to develop is to have five good minutes of attuned communication where each partner is truly like tuned into the other you don't need gobs of time i mean date night is wonderful but i know a lot of couples especially once kids enter into the picture that becomes very difficult for at least a decade for many couples um and so but five minutes where you were tuning totally tuned into your partner you've Tuned out the rest of the world, and you're really checking in to see where your partner is, sharing where you're at, um, and of being very present. And simple mindfulness practices um, like just ringing a chime, um, listening to it for 60 seconds to make yourself present um, can be helpful for some couples. Or you know, if both people are into doing some mindfulness breathing, that's great. Um, my latest book I talk about you know how to do chocolate meditation taking a piece of chocolate eating it mindfully anything that brings you into the present moment so that you can look into your partner's eyes and really be there not have your mind half at work not be worrying about the kids but you know that five minutes of just being present it keeps you connected and in our you know, twenty-four-seven non-stop information soaked world, you know, attention is the number one thing. And we need our partners' attentions. It's very important for humans to feel emotionally connected to another human being, to have that safe person. And honest to God. It only takes five minutes of quality time like that every day to keep that connection going in most relationships, especially if they're in a good place. You want to prioritize a few minutes where you really attune to your partner. Many of us take the time to do that with our kids, um, but we don't always do that with our partners, and they become last on the list. When you've got a busy, demanding job, you've got kids, it's like well we know our partners there for us and so we're going to put them third fourth or fifth on that list or even lower and i'm too tired at the end of the day to you know to tune into you um but making it a, and, and that's where making it a habit a ritual where you know upon coming home you know you know at dinner time after dinner after cleaning up the kitchen whatever it is um but finding some time like that at the very least If you can't do that on a daily basis, take an hour, go to coffee on Saturday, Sunday morning, and really be present with each other. You know, cell phones off, (laughs) no digital anything, Mm -hmm. but just connecting.
0: Now, Chase and I are both huge chocolate lovers. So when you said that, both of our eyes lit up like, yes, (laughs) we would love to incorporate that into our life. Now, can you talk a little bit more about incorporating chocolate into meditation? Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Mint.
1: If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. And that's where Mint Mobile comes in. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. That's where everything's going these days. (laughs) That's why you save money. You're listening to this podcast online. We don't have a radio station to pay for, and that's why we can give it away for free (laughs) and get sponsors like Mint Mobile to help us out a little bit.
0: (laughs) So starting at only $15 a month, all of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited nationwide text and talk, and you can choose from either 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. You can use your own phone and easily keep your phone number and all its contacts.
1: So to get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash I do. That's M-I-N-T mobile, M-O-B-I-L-E dot ecom slash I do. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash I do.
0: Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile today. Today's episode is also sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship.
1: We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it.
0: By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapists taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life, and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, then you are a perfect fit for the course. So for a special offer for our ID podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course plus special bonuses just for IDU podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com/unlock.
2: Absolutely. So I've been teaching mindfulness for over 20 years and I originally um, when you teach the first exercise you you know, typically introduce to folks is eating meditation. It's typically done with raisins which are very neutral when I was traveling all over the world, actually, teaching mindfulness, um, those raisin boxes got crushed in my suitcase. So I was like, what can I do instead? <laughs> and so I started using little pieces of chocolate. And, and where you mindfully eat the chocolate. But with chocolate, what's so nice about that meditation is that it offers opportunities to really watch how your mind deals with frustration, anticipation. So the basic exercise is you get a piece of uh, wrapped chocolate. You um, try to observe it as if you've never seen it before. And you start by just looking at the light, how it reflects off the wrapper. You know, you can smell it while it's still in the wrapper, just noticing. But trying to notice all of this while quieting your mind's um, desire to want to judge it as good or bad, comparing it to other chocolates you've eaten, and just try to notice without judging what's going on. And then you unwrap it, you listen to that sound mindfully, and then again, you notice what it looks like without the wrapper on it. and again, you can smell, notice if it's different with what the scent is different with or without the wrapper, noticing the colors, the lights, the contour, the textures, and so you're just trying to mindfully observe the chocolate with your eyes, with your nose um, and And then an important part is you move it towards your mouth. And you want to watch what your body and your mind does with that. Without taking a bite, just holding it up to your lips. And this is a real important part because it kind of, chocolate meditation sounds like a joke, but it's actually much harder than raising meditation because we have so many emotions around <laughs> chocolate for many of us, positive, negative, um, mixed emotions. And watching your mind, watching the anticipation, watching the frustration, Um just watching where the mind goes without trying to change it just noticing and observing it and that practice kind of helps prepare you for dealing with more difficult emotions and really i I don't think there's any more difficult emotions than what comes up in a long-term committed partnership um, and marriage for people and that ability to begin to observe your mind dealing with a difficult emotion is is invaluable and then you slowly um Taste the mind, the chocolate, and again, trying to taste it without judging it as good or bad, just noticing the flavors, and um, slowly, mindfully eating the chocolate. And this whole practice that can take three minutes—you know—it's something you can do as a couple. You know, after dinner, as a little dessert. Um, but also to help bring, make you, help bring you present, bring you into the present moment. But uh, it is a little, it's a practice that helps you begin to observe your mind in action, uh, have you experience things without immediately labeling them as good or bad, which is really what gets us into trouble with, re- you know, in our relationships. We begin to know our partner so well. As soon as we see that like look in their eye, man, you know, we're off, we've judged it. We've like played out this whole story in our mind about what's going to happen. Between you know me and my partner for the rest of the day based on that look in their eye And this practice actually slows down some of that judgment allows you to pause Um, And couples can use I think chocolate meditation beautifully at the end of the night And either after dinner after the kids are to bed, whatever it is to Make them present and then just check in with where each other is. It's a very simple thing to do Um, Hopefully it's fun this chocolate is fun for many people. You can substitute fruit or something else if you would like to, if, if that works better. To just mindfully be present, and again, it's a practice of not judging what you're experiencing, and then watching the mind in action. When you, you create a little bit of it, you know intentional frustration in this practice, to develop the skills to observe your mind without immediately knee-jerk reacting when it is frustrated, when it's excited, when it's anticipating something, um, and learning to work with that. And that really can play dividends in the relationship when you're dealing with more difficult emotions, typically.
1: We love this, and we are hungry for some chocolate now, (laughs) but in, in all seriousness, it's valuable in a lot of ways. And recently, I mean, Sarah and I are coming up on our 10-year anniversary of being together and in any relationship, but certainly long-term. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. We We get into these patterns of how we see our partner, how we react, how we communicate. And I like how you describe looking at the piece of chocolate and really observing it and trying to do that as if if it's something new every time you're doing this. And I found recently that being valuable in the way I look at Sarah because we become so comfortable and routine and you just almost like have this picture of who that person is based on all of your programming and the history of the relationship, rather than just looking at them as a new person every day and, and without all those preconceived judgments and even something as Sarah's a mother. And and that's added a whole layer of who Sarah is. And uh, that kind of thinking that can be developed through this meditation practice, as you described, I think uh, is really valuable.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, and that is, you know, like I said before, where we get so stuck often with our partners. We start, you know, we get once you're part, we all you get hurt in relationships. We all get hurt, you know, it's inevitable. And when we we get hurt in a certain way, we label our partner typically, you know, you're this, and and then we begin to look for evidence that our partner is X, uncaring, whatever fill in the blank, right? And and so you begin to look for evidence, and that is just how it starts and then we you know began to see our, pa- our partners in these very kind of rigid ways and and that if you can step back and learn to see the exceptions we all have exceptions we all do you know even the introvert there's a time when the introvert sarah's going to come home and just be talking up a storm there are days where it reverses um and so learning to step back, to have a, be able to look at your partner with a fresh mind, um, and to notice that we're all changing and evolving also. Yes, there's some things that stay the same, but we're also changing. You know, some marriage experts talk about that every two years, it's like you have a different marital contract, um, not written out, but just our agreements about who's doing what, when, where, and how. And so maybe keeping in mind that this relationship constantly changes as each as each individual changes. The relationship has to adjust over time. And it just happens so slow when you're in it. You don't notice it. And so, yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. If being able to develop, and it's really a discipline and a habit to step back and look at our partner with fresh eyes and and being open to the the changes that they're making and can make and the exceptions to their annoying habits, you know, and, and being able to see the whole person that way is, is it takes discipline honest. It just takes mental discipline. And that is where mindfulness can be so helpful because you can, it's easier to, see that same piece of chocolate new, you know, and from a fresh new perspective each time than our partners. But practicing it with mindfulness allows you to transfer that skill to your partner.
1: Are there any other mindfulness practices that, that can have a specific uh, benefit in the relationship? Like we're talking about seeing your partner in a new light. What are some other examples of the way mindfulness can translate into the relationship
2: well with couples the most common um mindfulness-based meditation or practice we recommend is called compassion meditation and this is a um, practice where you send kind of goodwill, goodwill wishes um typically to a neutral person um someone you don't have strong feelings about positive or negative to someone you care about hopefully that's going to be your Partner in this scenario. The third one is someone you have a difficult relationship or a strained relationship. And so if your relationship's in a bad place, your partner may fall into that category some days. And then to yourself, and then to your community or the world, you know, whatever kind of feels right. And, you know, typically um, when I, I do this practice, I, you know, I say, you know, may this person be happy, you know, and joyful in their heart. May this person be healthy and strong, free of illness and pain. And you um, first do that with a neutral person, the person you you feel close to, someone you feel to have a strained relationship, difficult relationship, yourself, and then a larger group. And in general, compared to mindfulness, you normally have a happier mood at the end of all of this. Um, But this practice of cultivating compassion um, for our partners, it can be very just kind of remind us to step back and to say we, you know, to notice we really do want the best. And in sending those good wishes for a lot of people, it just helps open their heart, keep them open um, to their partner, and it makes it easier to feel those loving feelings. And, I, you know, I, I just, I, there's so much in the way most of us live our, in our lives in today's world, um, just so much multitasking information constantly coming at us it's it's sometimes hard i think to feel loving feelings. You need to be focused in the pre- in the present moment, feeling present in your body so that um you can really feel those feelings rather than kind of living at a breakneck speed where it's it's harder to slow down and really feel those softer gentle feelings.
1: These things don't happen automatically. They take work. They take consciously developing habits such as meditation, compassion, meditation, chocolate meditation. <laughs> we love this. And, and really trying to make it a daily habit. Eat five minutes of attunement with your partner. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I can tell you, Sarah and I, 10 years together, a vast majority of that time have not taken right. five minutes right. to just sit down look at each other in the eye and communicate directly and we have a podcast on relationships
0: <laughs> yeah and, even even though you know that you need to do it it's it's still
2: hard absolutely and i i cannot uh, underscore how true that is um and you know i think and that is where i really go back to 5 days a week find a ritual a time that you you do this every day at the same time and after it should feel more like habit and Even if you don't have the full five minutes do 60 seconds And this is whether it's being attuned to your partner if you want to start a mindfulness practice Even if you don't have the five minutes to do it do 60 seconds Han you know uh, I'm hoping how are you doing today? I know we have we have about 60 seconds right now You know, let's just connect and tomorrow hopefully we'll get that five minutes even saying that. It is priceless. It really is priceless as a marriage therapist for over 20 years. That is priceless And you you just but the key is to connect it to something you do every single day so that it becomes habit Um, Because otherwise there's so many things competing for our attention in our daily lives that it doesn't happen otherwise. And you just have to, you know, if you need to put it on your to-do list, I have my, I've been practicing mindfulness for 30 years. It's on my to-do list. I check it off every day to make sure it happens. So, because if I don't do it in the morning when I'm supposed to, when I get to work, I get slapped in the face with a reminder. First thing when I, you know, load up, you know, my to-do list for the day. Ah, yes, I'm supposed to meditate. And it's, it really does take discipline when you lead a very busy lives like so many of us do.
0: When I think about it as something that I just do as part of my daily routine, like brushing my teeth, washing my face, it becomes less of a feeling like I need to do this versus it just is more of a natural habit.
2: Absolutely. When I try to get help people develop um, a mindfulness practice, I, I tell them you've got to take it out of this. Spa-like experience. That's just mystical and magical and you need to treat it like flossing You know, I don't enjoy flossing, but I do it every day anyway Because I have to and when you you know putting it kind of into a category where it's just got to happen every day Whether you're in the mood to do it or not um, and so this is whether working on developing the you know, we'll just say one to five minutes of attuned communication with your partner one to five minutes of mindfulness when you put it in the category is that it's got to happen whether or not you're in the mood for it you're going to find a way to make it happen Um, and that's where you put it into you just put it into your daily routine it's much more likely to happen Um, and to just be not put it on such a grand pedestal or make it so i don't know it's got to be done in a certain way that it doesn't happen then because there are going to be many days especially if you've got kids where you're not going to feel like a tuned communication with your partner because you're so kind of tapped out. And it's just, you know what? I'm just going to take one to five minutes and sit down and connect. And, um, and that's what I'm going to do. And it beca- you just begin to do it every day because it's just part of what you do.
1: One of the things before we wrap up that helped me a lot with developing my mindfulness practice in, in a lot of areas is not judging yourself with the way you're doing it or Mm -hmm. your lack of doing it. And I found that helped a lot with committing to the practice.
2: Absolutely. And that's when I teach mindfulness, it's one of the most important lessons I try to really focus on because I have so many people are like, I can't meditate. You know, my mind always wanders. And I'm like, no, that is med- that is it. That's what <laughs> happens. Your mind wanders and you refocus it and that's okay. And there's some days you can sit down to practice mindfulness and the mind wanders most of the time. And I think that's a sign because that can still happen to me after many years of doing it. It's like, wow, I'm stressed out. I think I need to look at my schedule. Is there anything I can take off today's, you know, my plate today so that I'm less stressed? But that is part of the practice and learning to be non-judgmental. And there's a lot of research too that even having an individual mindfulness practice as you learn to judge yourself less, you judge your partner less. And mindfulness um, practice has a wonderful benefits for relationships in terms of being more patient with our partners, more compassionate, judging our partners less, being able to communicate more clearly and directly. So there are a lot of benefits just with doing, you know, traditional mindfulness meditation also on our relationships.
1: There are so many, Diane, and you've given us a lot of great tools. One that involves chocolate, which we love. And and so <laughs> if anything, just use it as an excuse to eat chocolate. And, and then develop your mindfulness Absolutely. practice. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, let's wrap up, Diane, by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online. Tell us about your book and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Wonderful. So um, I have a book that's just come out. It's called Mindfulness for Chocolate Lovers, A Lighthearted Way to Stress Less and Savor More Each Day. And it's it's designed to be a really fun, easily accessible, not intimidating introduction to the mindfulness, positive psychology. And it's really about, you know, looking at how can you increase your daily dose of happiness. And um, there's a website, um, mindfulnessforchocolatelovers.com, that has um, lots of recorded meditations. We have chocolate meditation number one. Chocolate meditation number two is... Uh, working with compassion using white milk and dark chocolate it's a real fun one to do and actually um the volunteers who did the recording said there's there's one on befriending uh, your problems meditation and they actually found that one to be um there was voted to be their favorite uh so you got lots of meditations on there there's also all worksheets um because the book has a lot of worksheets to help you kind of through things and apply the ideas to your own life. And you can also um, learn about uh, my other work at DianeGayhart.com, which is D-I-A-N-E-G-E-H-A-R-T.com. Yeah. And I also have a YouTube channel that's got lots of videos and there are some specifically on couples uh, communication. So that might be of interest to listeners.
0: Oh, wonderful. We'll have the link to your YouTube channel and your website and your book on our website on your on the show notes page and again, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a great interview. Oh, thank you for having me. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our Love Tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, slash unlock. And you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week.